0: All right, we welcome all you that are here in the building, and you that are around watching us from around the world. And I want to say our our communion moment was really powerful this Sunday and I've already got feedback from people who watched and around different locations in the country here that actually went and got communion and took it with us on Sunday. So we believe God done some pretty powerful stuff there. We had another one saved down in the satellite church Sunday night, so God's He's he's doing his job, yeah. So we're uh, he's he's on his throne. We just need to get in front of that throne, right, and offer ourselves uh, as a whole as a sacrifice, our lives as a living sacrifice. Let's pray, and we'll get into the book of Job. Lord, we thank you for this time together. Thank you for all those that are here and those that are watching. Those who get this uh, podcast, we pray that it'll be a blessing to them. That we want your word to change us, Lord. We didn't come here to uh, make the word fit us. We came here to fit us to the word. And we want to be more like you as we sit under your word and as we take it in. And uh, for me and everybody under the sound of my voice, Lord, most of the time I preach to myself. and let people listen, Lord, but we just praise you and give you glory and honor for uh, who you are and what you do. And we thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now uh, Job's talking and uh, he's been kind of uh, here he's been talking and Eliphaz steps back on here and that's where we're at uh, in the end of tw- uh, chapter 15 here picking up in verse 27. Then we're going to go back to Job talking for a little bit and, and then we're going to take you maybe another place before we leave before we quit tonight. Uh, his friend said "Though uh, speaking of a Person who basically they're looking at Job as being a bad guy. Something must be wrong for him to go through all this. He must be uh, missing God somewhere. So that's their position. They're being a little bit careful with that, but they're being very accusatory toward him and as if Job's something's not right and he won't come out with it. None of them understand what's going on, including Job. We've said this many times. They don't know what God's doing and what he's saying and what's went on between God and Satan to get to this point. So uh, Eliphaz, is still, he's still speaking from a wrong perspective. Although some of what they say is true from a uh, purpose or a principle, I should say. The principle is true, but it doesn't apply to Job. And it says, though he has speaking of a, a man who's not right with God, though he has covered his faith with his fatness and made his waist heavy with fat, he dwells in desolate cities and houses which no one inhabits, which are destined to become ruins. So basically, there's some psalms that say that how the righteous will be made fat. In other words, they're just increased; they're just getting increased. And the, and so he's talking about. Uh, them being increased, but it's going to come to nothing, right? And that's what happens. That is true. If we don't serve the Lord, if we don't give Him the glory, then we may have a good run, whatever that is, right? But eventually it's going to come down around us. He will not be rich, nor will His wealth continue, see? And I've had people that I know like that, right? I've had people in my circle and in my family. Uh, It's sad to watch somebody become uh, a multi-millionaire and die with nothing. And that happens because they don't honor God. And I've watched what I've seen because I worked in the coal industry and a lot of people, a lot of families were made rich because they had the right property or because they actually got involved in the mining and learned how to do it good. And and, uh, the ones... That maintained their wealth because coal business is hard. It's some days you can make all the money in the world, and some days you can't make a dime. You know, but the ones that sustained their wealth through their families over the years, I noticed were the best givers. They weren't stingy. They weren't hoarders. And you know, you can be a hoarder and have hardly nothing. I know people that are hoarders and they're not rich or don't have hardly nothing. It's the attitude. It's the mindset of that. And so he says, "Their their riches are going to become ruins. Their riches, wealth won't continue. Nor will his possessions overspread the earth. He will not depart from darkness. The flame will dry out his branches, and his breath, and by his breath, his mouth will go away. Let him not trust in futile things. That's a good word. That's a good word for all of us. We should not trust." and things that are not eternal deceiving himself for futility will be his reward it will be accomplished before his time and his branch will not be green he will shake off his unripe grape like a vine and cast off his uh, blossom like an olive tree for the company of hypocrites will be barren and fire will consume the tents of the bribery and they uh, they conceive trouble and bring forth futility their womb prepares deceit So people who don't honor God, who live wickedly, who do their own thing and don't uh, recognize God and give him the glory, it's going to come down. It's just a matter of when. That's really all it boils down to. And then there's another verse in the New Testament that says this, so that the Bible says, what if a man gains the whole world and loses his soul? There's no profit in that, right? There's no profit in that. Now, Job's going to step back up. He's kind of frustrated with his buddies. I don't think he's really seeing them as his buddies right now. Then Job answered and said, "I've heard many such things. Miserable comforters are all. Are you all? <laughs> Have you ever been in a season where you thought you guys are making me more miserable? <laughs> I'm already miserable enough, and you're making me more miserable." so we've all probably been there you've probably been in the situation uh, where you needed encouraged and somebody just beat the daylights out of you with their words or whatever he said I've heard many such things miserable comforters are you all shall words of wind have an end (laughs) he said that like we would say it. you're full of air full of hot air right that's how we would say that you guys are full of hot air Uh, I want you to know these people are just like us job's not a superhuman he's a powerful man to be able to wade his way and and hold his ground through all this he might have been like a tree pushed around a little bit but he he stayed in there and he and he kept trusting the lord even though he was pushed to the brink many times he says you guys are full of hot air hot air basically or what provokes you that you answer i also could speak as you do if, you, if your soul were in my soul's place, you hear that? That's what we got to be careful about. I was telling a story this morning in a Bible study that uh, this guy talks, tells about how he gets on this car, the subway car, and, and uh, there's a guy there with three children that's going bananas. The three children are just causing havoc on the subway car. and he's watching them bump into people knock their newspaper out and just nobody can really have any peace on that subway car and he said he finally went to the father who had his head kind of down and buried and he said uh what can't you do something with your children he said everybody in here is miserable because they're going wild and the guy kind of startled he said raised up and said oh yeah i guess i could or should he said we just left the hospital where their mother died and I don't really know what to do so you don't really know you know we can assume a lot only only God knows how many seeds are in a watermelon this story I was handed off personally that one I read but the one I was handed off personally with a preacher he was telling us that he said that they went to a restaurant and the restaurant they had a big crowd you know how church people are we need 14 tables pushed together <laughs> and so he said "There's a big crowd and the waitress did horrible and everybody said all of his church folks were mad he said he was trying to keep them calm they got up wouldn't leave a tip he said i was going to let them get out of the way and leave a tip he said but <clears throat> when they got out of the way he said i was going to leave the tip here she come and he said to her he said uh, <clears throat> i'm just putting a tip here and he didn't make the other people look bad he said but Is everything okay with you? And she said, I apologize. She said, I know I did horrible tonight. And he said, was there something I can pray with you about? And she broke, started weeping there in front of him. And she said, when I came on my shift, my husband called while I just clocked in and said he was leaving me and he wouldn't be home when I got back home. And she said, I'm distracted, broken. She was weeping. So you, like Joe said, you just don't know until until you know, right? And and so he said uh, he said those are both true stories. And how many more are there out there? I, I, I'm a human being, and I, I I hate to look back over my life and think of how I've misjudged situations. And you know, and and I, I hopefully we've grown with that, and we're, we're going to do what the Bible says. Slow to speak, swift to hear, right? Uh, and the Bible gets on to us a few times about basically the Bible's trying to say, be quiet for a minute, right? Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and you just want to say, shut up? <laughs> Relax for a minute. <laughs> you know, we've all been there, right? And so he. <clears throat> I think the Bible's trying to tell us that at times, you know. Hold on here now. Let this thing unfold. Our news media is horrible at that. Amen. They are horrible. And I'm calling you out. You guys are horrible at assuming. And you get the whole nation and half the world worked up. And then two days later, we find out it wasn't true. Whole different scenario. Our our country is inundated with liars. And so many of those positions. So he said, hey, you know, if, you were, if, if, you, if your soul were in my soul's place, and think about that, that should have hit home. If all 10 of your children were dead yeah. in one night, you might be thinking a little different here. And he said... I could heap up words against you and shake my head at you. So he's kind of letting us know what they're doing to him here. But I would strengthen you with my mouth and comfort of my lips would relieve your grief. He said, I wouldn't treat you all the way you're treating me. And he said, though I speak, my grief is not relieved. And if I remain silent, how am I eased? But now he has worn me out and you have, you have made desolate all my company. You have shriveled me up and it is a witness against me. My leanness rises up against me and bears witness to my face. He tears me with his wrath. He hates me. He gnashes at me with his teeth. My adversary sharpens his gaze on me. He's battling right he thinks god's he thinks god's against him too he just can't figure out why they think god's against him because he's a bad dude he must be doing some stuff bad we must basically what they're doing is they're like we must not really know job he's got to be out of whack with god none of that's true and even job's perspective is not right right the enemies come in and, and god's allowed him in But even Job, but Job, you can you imagine? Have you been there? I've been there at times. I'm thinking, how can this be? How how can I be here at this moment when I've loved God, right? Or I've done this. But I'm going to say, we're going to look in just a minute in the New Testament. I'm going to show you some stuff that's going to happen. This, this, God is making a man for all of us. Now, I'm going to say a word here. You may not like everything you go through. I'll be the first to raise my hand and say that. There's a few things that I've went through that I, I would have not picked. All right? God, don't choose like we do. In fact, God knows you better than you know yourself. Don't you get arrogant and proud on him and think you know everything. You and I don't know everything. He knows everything about the world and us. He knows stuff about us we don't know. He knows some stuff that's down in here that none of us know about. And he's going to get that stuff out of us because he's working on eternal creatures. And God's goal in your life is not to make you the best of whatever. God's goal in your life and my life is to make you like his son. That's his goal. And his son was a pauper while he lived here. And half the world hated him while he lived here. But that's who God's trying to make out of you and us. He's trying to conform us into the image of his son. And I've been saying this a little bit lately. If your Christianity is not bringing some persecution on you, you're probably not living it right. Because the Bible says those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall. He didn't say they might. He said they shall suffer some persecution. So somebody in your family is probably going to get crossways with you. Somebody at work is probably going to get crossways with you because they keep hearing you talk about this Savior and talk about what Jesus has done for you since you've come to him. And that's going to cause you to be crossways with things and people in this world because the world as a whole is going that way and the true believer as a group, we're going that way. Two different directions. Your goal or God's goal in your life and my life and Job's life is to conform us into the image of his son. Now you think about where the church would be, the true believer. I'm thinking about my own life and it's about to make me cry right now if we didn't have the book of Job in this Bible. It'd be hard to make sense to have a lot of stuff, wouldn't it? If we didn't know that there was a God behind the scenes saying, listen, Matthew's down there and we need to do some more stuff in him. And here's what I'm going to set up. We don't know all that. See, we don't know what he's setting up. But he's up there setting up because he's working on me and you and he's trying to conform us in the image of his son. Plus, he's going to have to live forever with you and me. What would you be doing to you if you knew he's got to live forever with you? So God is orchestrating something that's way bigger. We're stuck on our tooting our own little horn, but he's got the whole orchestra up and running. That's his love. I'll show you that in a minute in the New Testament. Let's go on. He says, uh, says, um, I'm shriveled up. He's kind of got this, God's really working me over, and I don't know why. And then his friends, he feels like they're against him. They strike me on the cheek. They get, verse 10 says, they gape at me with their mouth. They strike me reproachfully on the cheek. They gather together against me. God has delivered me to the ungodly and turned me over to the hands of the wicked. Now there, he might be getting a little bit inside, insight, although God's not fully given him over, but he has given the enemy some leeway. I was at ease, right? He was, every life was good. Anybody ever felt that way? You were at ease and then you went to the doctor. And you got a bad report. You were at ease or you fell dead in Amarillo, Texas almost, right? You you don't know, right? You just, everything's going your way and all of a sudden it ain't going your way. And you know what? Life happens to all of us. But guess what? God's in control of it. So that's the good news for us, right? He said, uh, he's delivered me to ungodly. I was at ease he, and he has shattered me. He also has taken me by the neck and shaken me to pieces. He has set me up for his target. His archers surround me. He pierces my heart. He does not pity. He pours out my gall on the ground. Now let's be real. There's had to be a time in your life when you feel like God ain't feeling what you're feeling. Now, it's not true, but we know how the flesh works, right? What do you think Jesus was feeling and thinking the day on the cross when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, he's feeling probably our sin. That's a theological thing. But think about what had to go through his mind for him to be able to utter that. Think about if you think you get attacked mentally, you think how Jesus was attacked mentally we act like the devil was just left Jesus alone other than the time he took him out in the wilderness the devil was probably constantly badgering him and you know how the devil works on our soulish man trying to get us discouraged and beat down and 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 to get us to turn back or or walk away he said I was uh he breaks me with uh His arches surround me. He pours out my gall. He breaks me with wound upon wound. He runs runs at me like a warrior. I have sewn sackcloth over my skin, laid my head in the dust. My face is flushed from weeping. uh, And on my eyelids is the shadow of death. How long would you weep if you buried 10 children on the same day? There's not a parent in this building that wants to bury their children before they go and some have had to do that already that's that's got to be one of the hardest things in the world to do nobody and job had to do all 10 of his he says he I, i i my face is flushed uh and on my eyelids is the shadow of death Although no violence is in my hands and my prayer is pure, see he can't figure it out. He's like, I don't know anything. Oh, earth, do not cover my blood and let my cry have no resting place. Surely even my witness is, a, is the heaven is in heaven. Now, see, there's some references here. You know, he's already referenced the flood. They're going to reference it again. He's referenced creation. Uh, he's he's I believe he's he knows he knows about Cain and Abel and all that stuff Surely even now my witness is in heaven. And my evidence is on high And as i've shared with you before it's amazing to me now i'm learning i'm learning a lot about Writing and reading and all that stuff and now we know and they don't want to talk about this because it takes away from the narrative But now they know that the phoenicians were influenced by the hebrews. It wasn't the other way around Where they say the alphabet listen job was writing before moses Somebody knew how to write. You think God knew how to write? He wrote the Ten Commandments and handed them off to Moses. You think Moses knew how to read? You think God wrote some Ten Commandments on some stone and handed them off to a dude that couldn't read? Now, and I got to thinking about that. I thought, why did they lie to us? Or why, why will they not accept the new evidence that's clear now? It's clear That the Hebrews and the Semitics were writing long before the Phoenicians ever knew what was going on. Why? That's another way the devil just keeps trying to hide God. He don't want us to believe God. He don't want us to believe what Job said. He don't want us to believe these things. And so he just keeps lying to distort everything from creation to everything else. And he's, he's worked hard. You know who he is? The Bible says he's the father of all lies. Now, let me say something to you that ought to make you and I sick to our stomach. If we fall into lying, this ought to make you sick. The devil is fathering that inside of us. Because he's the father of all lies, the Bible says. So he lies about everything. You know what the devil lies about? About everything. He's a liar about everything. And not all of them, but most politicians are getting fathered by him constantly. Not all of them. There's a few left. And notice how we do things. We, everything God says, we try to deaden it down, right? When nobody in Washington, D.C. lies, they just misspeak. If you and I done it, we'd be liars. But why do they do that? Because they know it's wrong, and what's happening? I'll tell you what's happening with our culture, not just D.C., but with our culture, we're we're searing our conscience to where pretty soon nothing will be a sin, if time lasts, but I don't think it's going to last. So he says, uh, he said, uh, my friends scorn me. He says, surely, let me back up. Oh, earth, do not cover my blood and let my cry have no resting place surely even now my witness is in heaven my evidence is on high my friends score me my eyes pour out tears to God oh that one might plead for, me, for a man as a man pleads with his neighbor or, or when the, uh, a few years are finished I shall go the way of no return he's like man I need somebody to help me out here and if that's not the case I need to get to the grave as soon as I can get there because I'm wore out You know, and I I learned some things. Listen, um, even with my own life, when I collapsed in Texas, I want to say something as loud as I can to the whole world. Had I not been right with God, had I not been walking with God, I didn't have time to repent. I was gone. You better not put it off. Listen, I collapsed and was gone. I didn't have time to say, God, forgive me or anything. If I hadn't been right with God, if that had been a sinner and, they, and that person had not got up, I didn't have time. This stuff, listen, you can die in a, in a car wreck just like that. How many athletes do we watch fall and collapse right in the middle of practice? Super duper athletes that are the picture of health, gone. None of us have the promise of tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. If you hear his voice today, do not harden your heart and walk out on him, but respond to the Holy Spirit and accept Jesus as your Savior. Today's that day. It's not tomorrow. Today is that day. And it's only by grace and mercy that any of us get tomorrow. And if we get tomorrow, we need to glorify God in it. But none of us in this building or around the globe, anybodys listening to my voice, none of us have the guarantee of waking up tomorrow. None of us. And you may or may not get an opportunity to repent. But I can tell you right now, that's not always the case. There's not time to talk to God in certain situations. And Job said, "I wish I, I, was, uh, I wish I was going to get out of here if I can't get somebody to help me. He said, my spirit is broken. My days are extinguished. The grave is ready for me. Uh, he's basically saying, I'm finished. There's nothing good left in, for me. Are not mockers with me? And does not my eye dwell on their provocation? Now put down a pledge for me with yourself. Who is he who will shake the hands with me? For you have hidden your heart from understanding. Therefore, you will not exalt them. He who speaks flattery to his friends, even uh, the eyes of his children will fail. But he has... Uh, made me a byword of the people. And I've become one whose face men spit. Now think about that. He's telling us that men are so disgusted with him, they're spitting in his face. My eye has also grown dim because of sorrow, and all my members are like shadows. Upright men are astonished at this, and the innocent stirs himself up against the hypocrite. Yet the righteous will hold to his way, and he who has clean hands We'll be stronger and stronger. Those are good words, and he's trying to cling to that. He's battling, though. Job's battling. You're not the only ones that ever battle. Now, I am going to tell you something right here. This is something I try to avoid at all costs. I get upset. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. Is anybody, like, is anybody like that besides me? Be angry and sin not. I do get upset. I, I'm like Nehemiah. Sometimes I want to grab people by the beard. Right? Nehemiah was that way. I'm good. Moses, you know, he had to say. When you read what Job's going through, the righteous will hold to his way and he who has clean hands will be stronger and stronger. The Bible says the righteous, he says, be angry and sin not. We cannot allow our lives to give way to the flesh. And that's what Job's trying to stay above here. He's trying, the Bible says, who, who will ascend to the most holy mountain? He that has clean hands and a pure heart. I think South Psalm 24 says that. And then kind of Job's kind of giving us the same look here. He says, upright men are astonished, innocent men stirs up. The righteous will hold his way and he who has clean hands will be strong and stronger. So I feel like Job sometimes. I feel like, man, where's this coming from? Where's the devil at? I'm going to grab him by the horns and whoop him right please but please come back again all of you for i shall not find one wise man among you my days are past my purposes are broken off even the thoughts of my heart they change the night into day the light is near the they say in the face of the darkness i will wait for the grave as my house if i make my bed in the darkness if i say to corruption you are my father has anybody besides me ever had a kidney stone yeah they're bruff ain't they and i when i i didn't the first time i had one didn't know what's happening i just thought i had back trouble but it i started throwing up and everything's got worse and worse my wife i jumped in the car we had a big chrysler new yorker looking rolling about three in the morning headed for the ER. (laughs) I thought I was dying. I had to stop three. She had to stop three times, let me roll out the car and throw up and get back in the car and finally get the hospital is 15 minutes away. We get there. And, of course, nobody's in the ER but me. But I still can't get in. <laughs> I'm ready to pull the wallpaper off those walls. I'm just, I'm miserable, you know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a a miserable feeling to have that pain and that suffering. You feel all that. You And you know what? I was so miserable, I wouldn't have cared if I had died. Have you ever been that way? Have you been in a spot where you're like, whew, be better off to get out of here than to stay here and suffer this? And that's a mild thing. I know people have been in situations far worse than that. But there are moments when the flesh would think, oh man, be better off to die and go on to have to suffer all this. Job's there. That's why Job's so good for us. Man, he really faced a lot of stuff that we're not going to probably face all he faced in one lifetime but he can hit he can minister to all of us he said if the grave is my house if i find if i make my bed in the darkness if you uh if you say to corruption you are my father and to the worm you are my mother my sister where then is my hope as for my hope who can see it will they go down to the gates of sheol shall we have rest together in the dust he's he's battling hopelessness he is battling that now you and i can overcome that but the devil would love to stick that in all of our minds he would love for us to think that whatever situation we're in it's hopeless i want to say something to you as long as you're following the lord it ain't never hopeless it ain't never hopeless but what i really wanted to say to you do not fall into the trap of feeling sorry for yourself because you ain't past, you're not the first one that's passed this way i i'm not either all, there's been people. We are, what Paul's saying, uh, Hebrews, we are encompassed by such a great cloud of witnesses, people that suffered, wondered, right? All the stuff they went through. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1. And I'm going to close here tonight. I want to show you some stuff in here that I think that'll help you in your own personal journey. As we look at Job, uh, he says, um, Peter is an apostle of Jesus Christ and he's writing to these people scattered pilgrims that are dispersed and let's pick up in verse 3. Uh he says 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again as a to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now that's all any of us have to have. That's we have to have our salvation. But we don't have to have anything else. But God just blesses us abundantly, don't he? Let's us live. He says, to an inheritance is what he's given us, incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away. Reserved in heaven for you. Now, Peter, the Holy Spirit through Peter is focused on the most important thing. What if you wake up tomorrow and you've lost everything you got? Are you going to keep serving the Lord? That's what happened to Job. What if you wake up tomorrow and everything you have is gone? Are you going to keep serving the Lord or are you going to blame the Lord? Are you going to fall out with God? This is what's most important. You and I are going to have days where the best thing we can think about is heaven. Because everything else around us is going to be a mess. I'm to tell you something. I deal with death a lot because of my position. Death stinks. I don't care how you stack it up. I hate death. I hate for people to have to go through and for the families to have to suffer through death. It's Death was not God's original plan. We brought it in with sin. Adam and Eve were going to live forever if they hadn't made the wrong choice. They opened the gates up. And Satan came in, sin, and here we are. We live with the fallout of it. Do you know you were on a one-way ticket or one-way track with death when you were born? You're headed, you and I are headed to death. Now, the exception to that is Jesus coming back, and we know he's coming back soon. There's a good chance that, I believe he's coming back so soon, that there's a good chance all of us could be alive when he comes back, if we live normal lives. And I, 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 I'll come quickly, Lord Jesus, right? That's what John said. But the focus has to be this. That's why Peter does that. He didn't, he didn't talk about all the things that so many men have talked about over the years. Come to Jesus and you'll get free tennis shoes for life or whatever. He can make your shoes not wear out. The Bible says the children of Israel's shoes, they walked for 40 years in the wilderness and, not, and their sandals didn't wear out. Bring it on now, Nike. What kind of shoe you make? <laughs> they do that intentionally, though. They want you to buy more shoes. He kept the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in these last times. So we, they weren't complete without us. Remember what Paul said? In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while. If need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Man, they are few and full of trouble, Job said, right? That the, the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes... So the most important thing in us, in our lives, is our faith according to God. Now, the flesh would have a different perspective on that. The world certainly has a different perspective on that. Sometimes ministries and preachers have different perspective on that. But to God, the most important attribute in any of our lives is faith. And guess what he's going to be working on? Our faith. He says... That the gentleness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise. Nobody got tested more than Job. And guess what it was found? To praise. The whole church, through the, down through the history of time, has been encouraged and strengthened because one man, God, used And he strengthens all of us now through that story, through that story. We all take strength from that because we watch a guy who hung in there against all odds when everybody had turned against him, including his wife, because the Bible said his wife's breath was strange to him. That meant she didn't want to be around him. And so this guy hung in there, kept clinging to God, even though he battled through it. And that his trials turn to the glory of God, right? That they may be found to praise, honor, and glory the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love. We've not seen Jesus in the flesh, but our trials are going to be worth it. We cannot fall into the trap of the world and live for the here and now. The church cannot do that. The true believer cannot do that. You may be blessed and joy in your life. That's fine. But you cannot get the mindset where you're living for now. We got to get like those guys in Hebrews chapter 11 that said, just passing through. We're just passing through. We got that mindset that this world's not our home. We're just passing through. Make sure you've got that mindset. And if you have that mindset, then be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and do whatever he asks you to do. You know, this is a true statement, what I'm getting ready to say to you. You and I will never outgive God with anything. Money, time, possessions, you are never going to do it. Starting with the cross, we're we're so far behind, we ain't never going to catch up to start with. With the cross, we got so far in the hole. We we ain't never, you are never gonna outgive God. So do not get caught up into thinking you're just gonna sustain everything in this life. You're just passing through, buddy. And so am I. Let's make sure we keep that mindset. He says, you've not seen, but you love, right? That's us with Jesus. We've not seen him in the flesh, but we love him. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's the reward of this salvation. The prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating that he would testify beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow, to them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us they were ministering to the things which now we have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look in into. Now, you know what guys in the scripture did when they got beat half to death, thrown in prison? The Bible said they rejoiced, they didn't get mad and, and, and pull out a lawsuit. They rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer like him. Whole different mindset. It's a whole different mindset than the culture we live in. Therefore, then he gives us some instruction here. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, that's your soulish man. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children not conforming yourself to the former lust do not go backwards go forward in the new testament you all have heard me use this word a lot and i, I want to bring it out here just for a moment this is the word in the new testament in the greek that undergirds all believing in faith it is pasteo. that's the greek word it is a verb verbs you remember elementary school verbs show action right <clears throat> So he tells us to gird up the loins of our mind, be sober, rest as obedient children. Now this word, pistis, is the noun or the root of pisteo. That word in the Greek, now listen to me, with your faith only goes forward or backwards. It don't let you stand still. That word does not allow you to stand still. It don't allow you to settle. There's a word that's the opposite of Pastel, ah, pistis—it's the backing away of it. It's the letting it slide, letting it slip. You don't stay in one spot. You either go forward or you go back. That's how this works. That—if you think about it, that's really—if you think about your own life, you're either believing or you're not. There ain't really no middle ground on that, is there? You're either believing or you're not. And I, you know, has anybody ever been disappointed in something you prayed about? Two of us have, rest of your line. (laughs) I wish I could say I bat a thousand percent when I pray, but I don't. Some things I've prayed for, they didn't happen. And, but here's what I've decided in the last 10 years. I can either believe or doubt. I might as well believe. I don't care what happened last time I prayed. Because God's sovereign. Now, let me show you something here. And you need to remember this. When you pray, you pray with faith. Here's some things you know. You know God can do anything. So you're not praying out of bounds by asking him to do something. He can fix anything. He can do it all. Except wrong. He can't do any wrong. But sometimes my faith and God's sovereignty collide. In other words, God's already been around the corner before we get there. So I may be praying about something. He's already been around the corner on. And he makes a different decision than what I'm praying well, let me tell you something. When your prayers and your faith collide with God's sovereignty, his sovereignty is going to win. That's the goodness of God. Because again, he knows how many seeds are in the watermelon. We don't. So don't be discouraged by that. That's how we surrender. What Jesus did in the garden. He said, if it's possible, Lord, let this cup pass from me. And then he said, right? Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done he surrendered to that and i say this from time to time the cross was inevitable at that point the cross was one right there in that garden it's just a matter of walking it out at that point but when he said not my will but your will be done the cross was a done deal at that point he'd already settled that and so that's what we got to understand you and i don't know everything but we can believe in a god who can do anything and can't do any wrong so keep believing that every time you go to pray you know, I've prayed for some people and they've got sicker. I've prayed for some people and they got healed. But I'm going to keep praying and believing because that's my job. Is to pray. And that's not just a preacher's job. We all should pray and believe. That's our best opportunity. And if God's sovereignty overrides something, then so be it. He's God. He knows everything that we don't know. But we, we can only do one of two things. We can either believe or doubt. There is no middle ground. In fact, the Greek language don't allow for any middle ground there. That's why. Because if you're not believing, guess what you're doing? You're doubting. <laughs> there ain't no middle ground. Oh, I'm just stuck in neutral here, preacher. I'm not just hanging in right here neutral. <laughs> no, you're not either. You're doubting, right? And I, I ain't got any stones to throw because I've been there. We've all been there. You're going to be challenged to doubt again. Because the devil's a liar and he hates everything God does He's not for God's kingdom if you've not figured that out yet But God can do anything. So why not go to him with that mindset? Believing and trusting Right, and if you've heard me pray if you've brought a need to me and we're praying together over it A lot of times you'll hear me say these very words because I know who God is To some degree. I don't know everything about him But I'll say these words sometimes when I pray for people. I'll say, Lord, we're not here to tell you how to do it. Because that's your place. But we're here to ask because you said if we ask not, we have not. So if you do it supernaturally, if you use a doctor, if you use a financial, what, or a friend, we're not here to tell you how to do it. You do it however you want to do it and you get all the glory. We're just here to ask because we know you can do it. We know you can do it. So sometimes he does it supernaturally. Sometimes God does stuff supernaturally. He dropped food right out of heaven. Man, right out of heaven. Right? Brought a piece of money out of a fish mouth. And then sometimes he does things. He uses people to help work them out. You know? It wasn't a supernatural thing that he said, hey, Peter, let me use your boat. I'm going to preach a while. Right? Peter, Peter said, here, here's the boat. He just backed off and preached a while. But Peter was willing to let him use what he did. And so God is able to do far. Then the miracle of a supernatural thing happened because Peter, let me say something to you now. Let me say something real tight here. You better let God use anything he wants of yours. Because if you don't, you might miss out on the biggest blessing you've ever had in your life. Peter, what if Peter said, "Ah, my insurance don't cover you, Jesus, on this boat. I don't know. You know? Do you know how to run a vote? What if he'd have said no? Said, "Lord, that's my that's how I make my living." Can't you use? We got an inflatable raft over here. Can't you use that? (laughs) What if he'd have told him no? Then, because he didn't tell him no, he was he hadn't caught anything all night. His family, his paycheck wasn't coming in that week already because he hadn't caught nothing. And Jesus said, go back out there, launch out. And he did, but he hesitated, right? He said, we ain't caught nothing all night. I love that story. And then he said, but nevertheless, that's your word. That's powerful. I felt that when I said it. If you, if God gives you a word, whether it's out of here or when you're praying or whatever, and he gives you a word, step into it. And when he stepped into that word, the Bible said he got some mean fish, the boat started sinking. He had to call his buddies to come help him. If you deny God, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's your car, your CD, your IRA, your your garden hose. I don't care what it is. Your boat. Don't you have anything that God can't use. Because if you let him use it, you might get the biggest blessing you've ever had in your life. So don't be, be stingy with the Lord. Amen. He says... Uh, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully on the grace that is brought to you uh, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Be obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance. So don't go backwards. <clears throat> he says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct uh, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. <clears throat> as, uh, I, our trials are coming. You're going to have some trials. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord shall deliver him out of them all. We're going to see that with Job. You know the end of that story. So just be holy for I am holy. God's asking you to walk like he walks. Walk behind him. Walk in the footsteps of the Messiah. Keep your faith in him. You can either have faith or doubt. It's up to you. And how does your faith grow? Right here. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith don't come from going to some conference. Faith don't come from the preacher laying hands on you. That ain't how faith comes. Faith comes right here. The Bible's very clear about that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the Word of God. Not good stories. I like a good story. But that ain't how faith comes. Faith don't come because you went to the mission field and saw something. Faith comes by eating the Word of God. That's how it comes. And that's why we got what I call drug addicts in the church they try to live off of one high from the next instead of getting the word of god staying in the word of god building their faith up with the word of god and it don't matter if it rains or snows or sunshine they're walking it out no matter what comes their way and that's what god's saying to you you, you want to grow your faith right here get in this now I, I, i'm having a hard time quitting tonight but you're going to hear some of this probably in near future <laughs> you want to send out for pizza and just stay here uh, You've heard me use this word a lot, hupomone. It means to be consistent, right? That's the full meaning of the word, to be consistent. I'm going to say something as loud as I can say to this worldwide audience. If you're not going to be consistent, I can't help you. I can't. If you're not going to walk with God consistently... If you're not going to stay in the word, I don't care how many times I lay hands on you. If you're not going to stay consistent in getting God's word, your faith's going to be all over the place. You're going to have to get in the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. That's why I'm an expository preacher most of the time. Using verses and chapters. Because Jesus can say it ten times better than I'll ever say it. So get in the word. Amen tell your neighbor say get in the word be consistent in the word Amen. amen father we thank you for this time we thank you for your word i thank you for job i thank you for him hanging in there i thank you for giving him as an example i thank you for his life because it helps all of us here we are thousands of years later feeding from the faithfulness of you and one of your guys that hung in there no matter what come his way we're all beneficiaries of that we thank you lord for that I pray that you'll give us a hunger for your word, Lord, that we would hunger and thirst for your word and that your word would make us strong that would build our faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Give the Lord some praise. He's worthy of praise. <laughs>